0: ちょうど あの, まあ、Joining us on Moving Radio
1: today is a, a duo of filmmakers who have a documentary featured as part of Cuff Docs. That's right, the Calgary Underground Film Festival has their own documentary film festival and you can check out their film, The J-Horror Virus, which is going to be at that festival. Trust me, uh, if you just got excited when I said J-Horror, you're going to love this film, that's for sure, because it's a documentary all about that genre specifically. Joining us is Sarah Appleton and Jasper Sharp, the co-directors of said film. You can check it out on Saturday, November 25th at 9.30 p.m. What a perfect time for this film, I'll tell you that, as part of Cuff Docs at the Globe Cinema in Calgary. Sarah and Jasper, welcome to the program. Thank you for having us.
2: Thank it, you. Oh, nice to
1: be here. <laughs> yeah. It's fantastic having you here. And I really enjoyed uh the film itself. I had probably and I don't know, maybe I'm I'm like Slightly above average, but I don't think I was hardcore enough to be like I. I checked all the boxes of every film you covered in this documentary, so I loved it. It was incredibly illuminating as well. Um, but before we get into too many details about it, maybe let's just do something for the the completely uninitiated who maybe have heard of J Horror and kind of have a passing knowledge of it, and maybe unfortunately all they know is North American remakes. Well, let's kind of take them to the origins of this because. You know, it's a very distinct brand of kind of horror slash thriller. Probably more things like The Ring, not the remake, or Pulse, not the remake, or Juon the Grudge, not the remake necessarily. Like those are kind of maybe the roots of that. Some people have heard about. Let's take them back even a little bit further and discuss what is J horror and where it came from.
0: I would say J horror is a sub-genre of Japanese horror, but it's more like a school of horror making, a style and aesthetic that we associate with the sort of pre-millennial angst, very pessimistic view of uh, technology, typically featuring uh, vengeful female ghosts emerging out of uh, various bits of media technology, like uh, well, videotapes being the most obvious example, or the, the internet, or mobile phones, even yes, and yeah, and I would which, say it's also characterized by a a uh, style which is very slow and uh, uses reliant more on atmosphere than jump scares.
2: Yeah, and if you want to look at it within Japanese horror, you can. It can be thought about as more urban, generally sort of the fear of being alone in a city that sort of thing, as opposed to the fear, you know, the fear of the forest and then those other sorts of more folk horror traditions.
1: What I love about this documentary too, is that uh, it kind of, I don't know, it explains kind of the language of this genre as well, right? So maybe let's talk about the visual language itself of, of J-Horror, right? How elements like uh, like water technology, which you kind of referred to before as well, uh, and traditional storytelling, and there's a bunch of different things that you look at in the documentary. Tell us a little bit about how all those kind of ideas, the tropes, if you will, or the visual language kind of comprise J-Horror. I guess the genre
0: really emerged in the straight to video market and and therefore they were conscious that there was um, making films on very low budgets. um, And so there wasn't a lot of room for special effects. So it was putting little details like creepy ghosts in the background. Um, It came from the sort of interest as well in the 80s with spirit photography, which was the big thing in Japan at the time. This was of magazines uh, reporting real life hauntings. and um really it's more about looking at the uncanny details within the frame rather than sort of reliance on on the edits uh so much so it's, it's very slow measured pacing unfolding in in sort of everyday environments but sort of those sort of what do you call them liminal spaces those so sort of like you know just um corridors and stairwells and, and these sort of anonymous bits of architecture in, in um, the modern day sort of urban Japan, Tokyo being the example.
2: There's definitely noticeable tropes within like the locations because there's always a hospital or a school or, you know, there's sort of places that are just normal that people go to often and that are normally very heavily populated and then suddenly you've got a scene where somebody's maybe in the bathroom or something and they're on their own and it's like suddenly finding yourself alone in these very busy areas and how suddenly out of nowhere you can get terrified or, or haunted or something and I think that's what makes them so scary actually.
1: You know, for, for myself, when I, I look back in those kind of like the time of like early 2000s, like just before late 90s, probably for me, it became one of these things that like, you know, film people were like, oh, you got to check this out. Because, you know, you'd be reading magazines and stuff like that, still pre-internet. Or sometimes there'd be like, you know, um something else that would give you a hint as to lead you there. And it felt like you know, you were almost kind of seeing something that was really exotic. And it was at a time where international cinema was becoming a little bit more accessible than it had been before. And I think that's what drew me to it, is that there's a, a sense of it kind of almost being exotic and, and innovative in a lot of different ways. Uh, that was my experience, at least, before there was the onslaught of the remakes in certain ways. Uh, what was it for you that kind of drew you to this? Because under Jasper, this is something you've been writing up for a long time. And, and Sarah, maybe for yourself, you're kind of discovering a little bit more along this journey. Um,
2: I personally have a bit of an interest in like technology in horror and I made a previous film, The Found Footage Phenomenon, which was, which basically, found footage comes from development of technology and I think that personally when I was watching them when I was younger, um, seeing things like the ghosts coming out of phones and CCTV and things like that, definitely... It's like interesting as to why that could happen. I mean, if you believed it and also how, you know, with new technology developments, how that can then extend on. So that's my personal interest, but Jasper, different.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's like we said this explosion in world cinema. And I was writing about Japanese film at the time, sort of, um, yeah, from the sort of late nineties onwards. And Really, what attracted me to Japanese cinema in general was that in the UK, um, foreign language cinema was generally European and predominantly French, and it was sort of art house film. So I think Ring is probably the first example of a distributor proving that um, a a genre film, a horror movie, could do well at the box office um, with subtitles. I came across it... um, uh, on the sort of internet message chat rooms that you know the forums people talking about it and then um it was a sort of word of mouth sleeper hit it was it came about the same time as the Blair Witch Project um so similarly sort of spread by word of mouth online but um I think I picked up a VCD of it originally and, and then sort of watched it and it was sort of this you know having not been to Japan before just um yeah, like I say, I mean, the, the way that it's spread around the world, you know, a lot of people watching it into the VHS dupes, um, you know, to the tape trading network, really replicated the, the way the Sadako's curse spread throughout the film. So, I mean, it was, you know, perfect sort of synergy of sort of form and content and sort of audience
1: reception, I think. We're speaking on Moving Radio today with the co-directors of the documentary film J-Horror Virus. Sarah Appleton and Jasper Sharp are our guests and they are going to have their film screening at Cuff Docks on Saturday, November 25th at 9.30 p.m. And that's going to be at the Globe Cinema in Calgary. So I'm sure you can get uh, some tickets at the door, but also always smarter to get them ahead of time online at either the Globe Cinema's website or at Cuff Docs. It's just calgaryundergroundfilm.org. So I talked a little bit about, you know, and you discussed it too, your own background. Like, how do you feel, Jasper, that maybe was this good synergy for you and Sarah to come together on this project in you having kind of a bit of a history in writing about it? And and Sarah, you being like, I have an interest, but I, I don't have this deep of a knowledge background. Do you feel like that kind of like helped complete it and, and made this project uh, stronger in a certain way? Yeah, I mean that's why we did it. Basically, it was Sarah's interest in horror, my
0: background in Japanese cinema. Sarah said, "Let's let's do it." Um, I had the contacts to go and and contact the uh, interviewees. I mean, we, we all our interviewees are Japanese, uh, but you know, the idea was really to get the filmmakers to tell the stories themselves. I had a what I thought was a very thorough knowledge of the subject about, you know, how it began with the scary true stories anthology. And and um, Norio Saruta said, oh, but you have to go and contact uh, this guy, Teriyoshi Ishii. He made a film called Ray Psychic Vision, which was the one that influenced us all. And I'd never heard of that film before. So um, definitely it was, you know, even though I thought I was familiar with the subject, because it goes to show with Japanese cinema, there's always more to learn. Well, did you think of the synergy, Sarah? (laughs) Um,
2: I pushed to make the documentary. Personally, I think that Jasper didn't necessarily really want to do it at the beginning. And I had to like persuade him to do it. And I think basically I kind of have been editing and making documentaries about film for like 10 years or more now. So like just shorts for like DVD extras and things like that. And so after the fan footage, I wanted to do something else and it just made obvious sense to work with Jasper on his background in Japanese films. I mean, it's not necessarily he was very into J-horror as so much, right, but I was. So it sort of did work, I think, both our skills in different areas worked quite well together.
0: I mean, what what was really interesting is that I always think of them as being, you know, I mean, the, the large boom in J-horror was when I was initially with Tom Mez writing Midnight Eye. And, and it seemed for a while that anything getting distribution in the West from Japan, I mean, we were trying to promote Japanese cinema overseas and you couldn't really get past this whole J-horror phenomenon. So I found that quite frustrating at the time, but now you sort of look back and go, that that was a very distinct era. And it's sort of quite remarkable how how just a handful of films really managed to sort of infiltrate them themselves into the Western consciousness in such a really thorough and and pow- powerful way. Japan Japanese cinema doesn't really have the same presence outside of animation now. I think it was you know, looking back and going, oh, this is sort of quite a weird time. How did that happen? So tracing that sort of trajectory about how how things just emerged from these sort of single straight-to-video shot films to, um, you know, multi-million dollar Hollywood remakes.
1: For me, I love... Documentaries like this about filmmaking, I always kind of seek out everything, even if I don't if I don't have a passing knowledge, because I feel like it's a a great primer for me to discover so many different things, right? And films that I haven't seen. So I was delighted to know that I'm like, there's there's no way I knew everything about this. So I felt like within the first twenty minutes, I was already like, I had no clue about this. So it was it's kind of a joy for me now to like, okay, now I got to follow up on this stuff. How about for you two, for Jasper and Sarah, how do either one of you feel, and I'm hoping you have different answers for it, is like what's the one kind of like little little diamond in the rough or like the little jewel that you're hoping that an audience member like me is going to find and like embrace and discover uh, that maybe I wouldn't have had an opportunity before or it just would have like gone over my head?
2: The difficult thing actually is that a lot of these you can't really – find them and you can't see them at the moment. So we're hoping that maybe the documentary will help like to bring some of these films that maybe you could only find on VHS in Japan back in the day or something that to come into the West and so we can see them. But if I had to pick one, I always go on about it, but I actually haven't watched it all the way through. But <laughs> don't tell. But um <laughs> this one that's a Noriosaruta film called so it's something like I always forget what it's exactly called, but something like Super Experiment Psychic Video 4 or something like that. It's got a really weird title, but it's it's has like a cursed videotape and before the ring, and it's from like 95, I think. And you just think obviously it was after the book, but you just think that's actually if you if someone was really into looking at what came before the ring, that I think that's quite interesting to look at.
0: Yeah, and I'd say the the Jagan Jagan Ray psychic vision I've already mentioned, but the scary true stories, you'll see a lot of the the elements uh, emerging from there. There's Two very important films that really aren't available in any format. Um, I mean, they were put out in, in VHS in Japan originally, but that's Thor 3, uh, Kiyoshi Kurosawa and and Sweet Home. Sorry, before that, Sweet Home, very important film that actually gave birth to the Resident Evil franchise, of all things. So, uh, But um, they're stuck in this rights limbo. So I don't know when we'll... Uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to see them, the wider world. And and the one that always surprised me when it came out, after watching all the Juon films, it was just this this tiny window of a couple of weeks off where, where Takashi Shimizu, the director, had between the, the Japanese Ring 2 and the Grudge Hollywood remake. He made a film called Marabito, uh, which stars Shinya Tsukamoto, the uh, director of the Tetsuo films, and was written by... Chiaki Konaka, who's like one of our interviewees, like an instrumental voice in the original uh, as a screenwriter in J-horror, but it's actually a lot better known now for anime writing for stuff like Serial Experiments Lane. But um, this is a really strange film that completely broke the mould of J-horror, but still has a lot of that fixation on sort of uh, technology, dark spectral figures looming out of the sort of shadows in, in an otherwise very brightly lit
1: Tokyo. You both talked to us a little bit about conversations that maybe you had even before you started getting to filming of how you wanted the J-Horror Virus, your documentary, to really reflect the films that you're talking about visually. Like, what were the things you were talking about where it's like, are we going to have to do this within interviews? Or, you know, we're going to have to do this with the introduction or those kind of connecting links between those films. Uh, How did you want J-Horror Virus to reflect all those things that you love about that genre?
2: I don't know how you would... It's hard to explain, but I think that it definitely had to have a feel. The documentary itself had to have a feel of J-Horror. And I think that's obviously kind of sub- subjective. And But for me, it was like slower and more. They don't tend to have soundtracks, like actual songs. You just have more of like um, murmurs and weird noises and things like that and weird imagery and at the beginning the intro to the film I I don't know if it's everyone's cup of tea but I really wanted I thought it was so obvious that it had to be like our own cursed video kind of thing like make your own ring tape just to like grab people's attention that was that was my thoughts at the time how about you Jasper
0: yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to definitely get away from that thing you see about all documentaries about Japan, where you immediately have lots of people crossing over Shibuya Crossing and, and you know, that sort of, oh, this is the, the exotic East, you know, it was very much sticking you in the milieu of the filmmakers. Um, part of the, I mean, it's got a very slow measured pace, like, like J-horror films themselves, but I mean, partly this was symptomatic of the fact that uh, Japanese directors do talk, you know, you can't cut up Japanese into vox pops in the same way. I think that you can with sort of Western filmmakers. I think it's it's a symptom of the language. It's a symptom of the way that we had to get all the interviews transcribed um, before we we could start the edit. So we we knew exactly what they were saying. And so I think you know they say the very beginning. It's like we have Kiyoshi Kurosawa talking. And and I've seen him talk in public before, and he's an incredibly interesting talker. You just see these ideas almost forming in his head as he's saying them. And I didn't want to, yeah. I think we needed to to allow him time to sort of get to his points, and, and really, I think he really sums up the sort of philosophy and the sort of conjecturing why why he thinks that J Horror was such a feature of the. Um, of the nineties, of of that sort of group of filmmakers, so I think that was really interesting. The other interesting
2: sh- thing, sorry to interrupt, but I just just as you say that point about Kurosawa, I thought that with the interviews, like a lot of the directors were saying that they never really thought about it before. I mean, that sounds so s- strange, but from this perspective that we're coming from, looking at it as like this really interesting capsule of films. Like Kurisawa himself said, you know, you wouldn't have Japanese people making this film, you know, and so they actually are sitting there pondering on the on the questions and everything, you know, and it's not just stuff that they've regurgitated time and time again. So that's sort of what helps with the feeling of it as well, I think.
0: I just wanted to say as well that the the um, atmospheric sort of animations and interdictions, these these sort of bridging sequences, were all done by this guy Tim Grabham, who I worked um, I co-directed a film with him uh, ten years ago now called The Creeping Garden. Um, he's sort of an, an animator, and so I knew he was very good at sort of conjuring up sort of atmospheres with animations and intertitles. So I thought you know we definitely asked him to get on board and and to add his. bit of
1: magic the film we're talking about today is the j-horror virus it's a documentary all about uh, the history some of the background uh filmmakers all kinds of stuff It films you will probably have a hard time getting a hold of unless you're you know really crafty on the internet probably which i know some of you are so (laughs) but it's always nice to get filmmakers paid Uh, It's the J-Horror Virus. Sarah Appleton and Jasper Sharp, the co-directors of this documentary film, have been our guests today. Uh, You can see the J-Horror Virus on Saturday, November 25th at 9.30 p.m. as part of Cuff Docs. And of course, that will be at the Globe Cinema in Calgary. I'm sure there will be other ways to find the film. But as for right now, today, if you're listening to this very quickly or before the screening actually happens, that's the only way. Uh, I don't know that you know what's going to be the next step if people are listening to this later, Sarah and Jasper, but you can give that up now if you want, or at the very least tell people how they can follow the film, or you.
0: Well, you can follow us on, on Twitter. Sarah, what's, the, what's the, uh, the...
2: At the J Horror Virus.
0: At the J Horror Virus. very easy, so easy to, to remember,
2: to yeah. Jasper. Um, but Thank yeah, you. I mean, it's it's going
0: around the festival uh, circuit at the moment. Um uh, reaching the tail end of the festival circle we should say. Uh but um as yet it's a watch this space sort of scenario. We're not quite sure uh where where it will go next really. It may slowly well, seep out of the into the wider world even further, get under people's yeah, skin.
2: I mean we just can't say yet, I think is a is a better way to put it. <laughs>
1: it, it will but, be out like, there, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah i mean hopefully people can see it soon
1: i never like to press that issue because i know i know how these things work so uh it's good i'm glad that you're being vague make the people work and follow you on social media because the second that information does become available then you will figure out how to find it that's for sure uh jasper and sarah thank you so much for taking the time out and talking to me today and uh, also forgiving me for some minor technical difficulties at the beginning of today's interview, which will get edited out. So you'll never even know what happened, people that are listening. Uh, thank you guys so much. Best of luck with the next step on this film. Uh, and I'm very excited for other people to go see it, especially at the Globe Cinema live and in person uh, on November 25th.
2: Thanks for having us.
1: Thank you very much.